0: Today's reading comes from Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 19 to the end of the chapter. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moss and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moss and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness! No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendour, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will He not much more clothe you, ye of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and the heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let me pray for Claire as she comes to share with us.
1: Father, I pray that you would anoint and use Claire right now. I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you want to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. By the way, that picture of cutting away the dead flowers and then a flower budding and opening right in front of you, man, that is sticking with me. That's awesome. Um, Anyways, I'm loving that. There you go. Hello, hello. Yeah, that is a beautiful picture of God's love in action. Um, Thank you for sharing that. I'm Claire, Claire Morrish, the children's minister here, if you don't know me. I've normally left by now, but here I am. Um, so here we are in week 9 out of 12 in our series looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And we have heard Jesus give us a long list of really practical but very challenging rules to live by so far. And this week is no different. We're on the topics of money and worry. And the rules are really clear in the passage. Do not store up treasure on earth. Don't even try to have two masters. Choose God or money. And three times we are told, do not worry. Now, as people living in our age, an age of materialism in the rich West, we've got a rising epidemic of anxiety that is crippling our young people. And some of our older people too. Um, And surely this is a chapter and this is a set of instructions we really need to understand. And we really need to um, embrace afresh. Some of you will know that I've also carried out a little intergenerational survey of members of the congregation in preparation for this sermon. But before I reveal the results of what we treasure and what we worry about, I want to share with you a children's story. Because unless we can understand a key element of the rule maker... um, in the passage, then it is gonna be impossible to follow his radical rules. So I'd like you to introduce you to Teddy's Kingdom Seeking Adventures. This is an abridged version, because the real one was too long, but it's from Energize, um, which we've used in our children's ministry. So there were once, if we could have the first slide, two kingdoms, and each kingdom was ruled over by a king. But both kingdoms had the same set of five rules. Be generous with what you have, smile when you greet another person, get enough sleep. Plastic is not allowed and nobody works on a Thursday. One kingdom was called Earn It Land and the other kingdom was called Love You Land. And Teddy decided to visit these two kingdoms and to choose where he might want to live. First he visited Land, and he was very concerned to find that everybody was smiling as the rules said they must, but they were not smiling with their eyes. They were all either anxious or angry. He visited the king and he found an angry man who was spending his time finding fault with his citizens and punishing them for breaking the rules. Teddy found the people living in the kingdom were really reluctant to even open their doors They were scared that he might be trying to catch them breaking a rule. They were living in fear of the rules and in fear of the king. Or they were living angry about the rules and finding the rules impossible to keep and wanting to escape to a different kingdom with different rules. So Teddy then went with some trepidation, knowing the rules were the same, to Love You Land, but he found a completely different place. The people were happy, they were relaxed, they were joyful. They were welcoming. The king was especially pleased to see Teddy and explain how much he loved his people, how good they were at keeping his rules, because he had given them these rules so they might have the best life. Teddy asked, "What happened if people break the rules? But the king was confused. He said, people don't break the rules. Why would you upset people's well-being? Why would you get overtired? Why would you ruin the environment with plastic? Teddy met people who were living there and they loved the king and they were more than happy to follow his rules and they trusted the king because he had designed good rules for them to live by. So, as Teddy discovered, it is not the rules of the kingdom that make it a happy or a sad place to live in. It is the nature of the king and your relationship with that king and his relationship with his people. Do we trust the king? Do we know that he loves us. And from the prayers we just expressed, we we heard him how much he loves us, didn't we? And we heard um, how he doesn't want us to be worrying and how he's in control and all will be well. It was beautiful. So in today's passage, Jesus is giving us a choice of two kingdoms to live in. We can choose to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness by living by his rules, by knowing and trusting our true king or we can stay in a kingdom of our own making following our own rules. And as you often read on the packaging of a new item, for best results, follow the maker's instructions. And in this Sermon on the Mount, we are being given our maker's instructions. Jesus is encouraging us to trust the rule maker, our maker. Why? Because he is loving and a forgiving king. He is not an angry king. Now let's look for clues in the passage that we know we have a loving king. So firstly, we've got a king who really understands us. So Jesus in this passage refers to our bodies, our hearts, and our eyes. He speaks with the authority of someone who knows what it is to have a body, a heart, and some eyes, because he is human. But with the added authority of the one who knows how all of those things work together in relation to each other, because he was there at the beginning all things come from him, all things go to him as we were singing. He was there at the beginning, he knows how we're made. Jesus understands that our treasures and our worries are really intimately connected because he addresses them together in this passage and that was what my survey showed. I asked a person from each decade in our church what worries them and what they treasure and I found that their worries are often the opposite of what they treasure. Let me give some examples. Now I gave these examples at nine o'clock and there's a few of them, and I wondered about cutting it short, but then I thought, no, we need to hear each other's generational treasures and worries, because there's so much we can learn from different views on this. So our eight- and ten-year-olds um, are the only ones that treasure material things, Just They treasure Pokemon collections, their Harry Potter accessories, and their Nintendo Switches. There's work to be done. Um, They worry about them being stolen or their games being hacked into. Okay, So they're worrying about the opposite of what they treasure. Some of them treasure friends, but they're worrying about bullies. They treasure Chelsea winning, and they worry about Chelsea losing. They treasure school, and they worry about leaving and moving to secondary school. So treasures and worries intimately connected. Our youth have a similar connection. They treasure their family, their friends, their education and their leisure time, which is a better, you know, we're getting better. But their worries also impact those treasures. And listen to these, because these are things we need to pray about. They worry about their exams. They worry about performance in sports events. They worry about their social life. They worry about Putin and the threat of nuclear war. They worry about progressive gender fluidity issues and the power of social media. So then I asked people in their 20s and 30s. They treasure time with their family and friends, and free time and time to just be still but they worry about how to get the right balance with their time, how to work enough hours to provide for those they love. Um, They treasure their health, and they worry about the health and well-being of those they love. They treasure the freedom to live in this country where they can practice their faith openly, and they treasure the security we have here, but they worry about the way society is heading and the increasing insecurity and spiritual attack and violence they see around them. Some in their early adulthood are also worrying about how people are perceiving them and their Christian beliefs. Those of similar age to me, somewhere in the middle, um, treasure their faith, their family and their friends, and they worry about losing their family and their friends. And some are also concerned about who will care for them in the future when they are older. Faith, family and friends topped the list all the way up um, in our older generations. And what also crept in was memories of friends and the value of photograph albums. That was the only other material thing that crept in. Along with health and a recognition of the huge blessings that life had given them. They were thankful for significant relationships. They treasured their local and worldwide church family. Treasure and blessings were used interchangeably. It was interesting, they treasured their blessings. Um, they mentioned the blessing of free education and free healthcare, the freedom the beauty and safety of where we live. The lists of treasures or blessings was much longer from the older respondents, and one person put it like this, I'm going to quote them directly, age and a greater sense of fragility and the transience of life means that the answers I give offer a longer perspective, including the eternal one. Looking back, we may be more aware of how little in our circumstances we could have predicted or controlled, and how much has been down to the providence of God." I thought that was lovely. Um, God's got it. We're just not so good at trusting him in it. And when we were praying there, the words that came to me were the words of Julian of Norwich, all things will be well, all manner of things will be well. They're words we need to trust. So, they still had some worries, these older people, um, most of them. Um, They were worried about, would their loved ones come to know Jesus and receive salvation? What would happen to their grandchildren's future? Because things are uncertain, changing, and confusing. As our country no longer seems to live out its Christian faith, and many are calling bad things good and good things bad, what will happen? They were worried about global warming and the fragile planet, mass poverty and our hardened hearts. Um, Some were also expressing concern about their own failing health and did not want to be a burden to their loved ones. So thank you, first of all, to everyone who who answered my emails and contributed. It was a real privilege reading your answers. Now, there was one person questioned who, incidentally, was the oldest contributor who had no worries at all and a wife who believed him. Um, And I wanted to share his top treasures because I thought we could learn from them. They were the Bible... And love. And here we are in today's Bible passage reading of God's love, a love that is setting us some rules that we can trust. Uh, God knows us, and He knows what our real treasures are, and that one of those treasures is each other. And I wonder if that's partly why we're not to store up material treasures on earth, because not only can they be stolen from us, but they steal time from us. Our stuff takes time to maintain, to protect, to ensure. It adds to our worries and it steals that thing that we treasure, that time we could be spending with others or in God's presence. Nobody over 10 in the survey, apart from the photograph albums, mentioned any stuff as treasure. So, yeah, okay. Now, the other thing is Jesus says, do not worry, and I think he understands that do not worry is easier said than done because he doesn't just say it, he expands on it with a set of rhetorical questions. He invites us to look at the birds and the flowers, to deadheads and roses maybe, to take time to look at nature. And that's good advice, because it beats rising anxiety levels. But as my sons pointed out, it's not such good advice if one of your worries is climate change and the environment. (laughs) However, Jesus wasn't really talking about the birds and the flowers. He was talking about the nature of God and God's relationship to us. He was saying, God loves you more than these things. He was reassuring us of our worth. Now, in the passage we read, the phrase that I've struggled with most is, O you of little faith. Did you see it snuck in there in verse 30? I've struggled with that because it sounds a bit derogatory. And it just doesn't quite sound like Jesus. So I used some imaginative prayer in, in preparing for this. So I entered into the passage and said, come on, God, just give me a new perspective. Let me see what it was like. And as I did that, Jesus spoke those words with a really interesting tone of voice. It was more like the words that I use when I see a newborn baby. I tend to go, oh, oh, look at his little feet or something like that. Um, And I felt like Jesus was looking at us and saying, oh, look at their little faith. It was kind of so much more encouraging. It was like we've got a little and beautiful faith. And it's little and beautiful because it has the potential to grow. And so we can use whatever faith we have got to start by trusting God with something small. And that faith will grow as we trust him with more and more. All the way through this Sermon on the Mount, we are given rules for life but a greater understanding of God. We learn him is our father, he knows what we need, he will forgive us. Jesus underlines the rules, rules that are hard to follow, but only because they are rules that help us to better bear the image of our maker. God goes the extra mile for us. God loves us, even if we're his enemies. A loving king is making good rules for his people in his kingdom. Now, after the treasure storage advice in the passage and the clear instruction to choose your master and then it cannot be both God and money, there is an intriguing little reference to our eyes and light and darkness, verses 22 and 23. I'm just going to read it to you. "'The eye is a lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness.' If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now this was the least familiar part of the passage for me. So I also canvassed opinions on it in my survey. And clearly we seem to think this is a real prophecy of warning from Jesus for the very age we're living in. Now we are living in a very visual digital age. We've even had to advertise for a church communications officer who can do digital images, video making, and all of that. Gone are the days of a single screen in your home with a watershed hour and a limited choice of channels. Every member of your household can watch whatever they want, whenever they want, wherever they want. And the marketing industry can make us want all sorts of things we do not need. And it can show us more than 50 shades of darkness. Artificial intelligence algorithms are controlling what comes to our attention and we are surrounded by loads of fake light and that is guiding us into temptation and evil ways. Two thousand years before TV was even an idea, Jesus was placing a warning for us here about what we watch, how we use our eyes and we should be paying that attention. So I wonder what Jesus is speaking to you about in those verses. I wonder how you need to keep your eyes healthy. How you need to focus on light Jesus, the light of the world, the true light. And what fake lights you need to avoid. Now, if you're a person who worries and struggles with anxiety, you're not alone. I'm one of those two. But I don't want you to hear my words all the words of Jesus as a condemnation or as an instruction that is caring, do not worry, but is impossible for you. Jesus is not saying, do not worry, full stop. By mentioning worry, he is acknowledging that we all worry. It is something that is part of being human. It is a biological mechanism designed to disturb our brain and to get us into action. Worry has a purpose. But Jesus is directing our worries away from areas where they are pointless and unproductive. He is saying, don't worry about what you eat and what you wear, because your life is more important than the food and your appearance. Worrying can't change your height or your lifespan. But the converse is true. Trusting in God's love and his provision, that has got the power to change your life expectancy. You kind of get eternal life expectancy. Um, And freeing yourself from all of those anxieties can give you energy to use on things that make a difference, seeking the kingdom of God. So he is directing our worry as well away from the future. He says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. He knows that being in the moment right now is enough for a human. It's enough. However, as Chris Budd pointed out to me a minute or two ago, I have to do resilience planning and future pandemic mapping, and I find that worrying. It is worrying. But don't worry about it. Just do it if that's your day job. Do it. But don't worry about it. Worry is only biologically and spiritually useful if it is generating action. Otherwise, it is wasting our energy and taking us to dark places. In Philippians 4 verse 6 we read, Do not worry about anything but pray and ask God for everything you need. And when you pray, always give thanks. Now, I've just come back from Uganda. um, And there they were really living out Philippians 4 verse 6 amazingly. Um, The level of poverty was shocking. Food prices have increased sixfold since the pandemic. But the level of prayer, praise and thanksgiving was awe-inspiring. It was flowing freely and genuinely throughout the day. God is good all the time, all the time, God is good, was a regular chant that everybody joins in with. Thanksgiving before any meal was never forgotten. Songs of prayer and praise flowed from the boarding house dormitories first thing in the morning, last thing at night, and while they were washing their clothes in a bucket in the yard. What these children lacked in earthly treasure, they were overflowing with in knowledge of the kingdom of heaven and of their loving father. Joy was flowing. It was amazing. On return, it's been a culture shock. Not only have we got riches, you know, unimaginable in comparison, but people have said to me, there is poverty here, but really it is nothing compared to the poverty in the third world. And that's true in terms of our op- earthly poverty that is true that is not to say there are not children that turn up hungry at the school next door but what I did see and I do see here are children poor in spirit unaware of the kingdom of God children who never or rarely thank God for their food children who do not recognize that a story comes from the Bible children that don't know their maker's instructions for living and that will be limited to life on this earth because they've no sense they're made for eternity. Poverty here is not like poverty in the third world, but spiritually speaking, the poverty here is equally shocking. I want to finish this sermon with a focus on the phrase, seek first the kingdom of God. And I want to share with you a bit of local history because history was the third treasure mentioned by our oldest contributor to the Intergenerational Survey, so I thought I should bring a bit of that treasure in. Now, I've got a picture, I'm hoping, of St. James's Church in Bath, taken in the 1920s. It was a magnificent Georgian building in our city, it had an Italianate interior, it had a state-of-the-art pulpit that moved on its own rail track around the building. And above its door, it had these words, which we can see better on the next slide, maybe. Seek ye first the kingdom of God was above its door. Now, this picture was taken after the Bath Blitz in April 1942, when St. James's church was destroyed and only the door and a few other bits of it were left standing. And the new curate, newly appointed poor soul, about two weeks before the Blitz, his first job was to clean those words over the door so they could be read now we don't know much about that church because it's not there anymore it was pulled down and the land was sold and what do we have now on the site of st james's church we have the metro bank Um, so our fashionable and rich city has literally replaced seeking the kingdom of god with a monument to the master of money However, there is a resurrection part to this story. The proceeds from the sale of the land were used to complete a new church that was being built to serve a new post-war estate, rehoming people from Victorian slums in our city. And that new state was Odd Down and the church was St Philip and St James's church, our neighbouring parish. So there is resurrection in that story. So, are you convinced, then, to follow your loving maker's rules, and like Teddy, are you going to choose to live in the kingdom of love you land, or are you going to stay in the kingdom of earn it land? What would it look like for you to be seeking the kingdom of God every day? Could you do it in such a way that children and grandchildren around you might notice? Could that involve more audible, visual, active prayer lives of thanksgiving, might you want to share the bible with people who don't know it yet you could join my open the book team and come into school you could help with our next alpha course you could talk to Stu about getting involved in the youth you could help with this year's holiday club you could post invites to all of those things on your social media streams how can you turn your worries into actions we have really poor neighbors not very far away in post-war housing on the foxhill estate how can we bring this passage alive for them What earthly treasures do we have stored that need releasing to show people that the kingdom of God and his righteousness is there for everyone and he does not want anyone worrying about tomorrow or what they will eat or what they will wear. Jesus came to give us God's good rules because God loves us. Let's follow the maker's instructions aware and wary of fake light. Do not store up treasures on earth. Choose your master carefully. Don't worry about your food, your clothing or tomorrow. Seek first the kingdom of God and all the rest will be given to you because he
0: loves you. Trust his rules. Amen.